Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast, where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor with Adweek. And with me, as always, is Shannon Miller, our creative and inclusion editor. Shannon, how you doing? Um, I am doing pretty well. It's very rainy, but, you know, it's peaceful. We, uh, I think we had, I'm in Alabama, and we had something like four weeks of straight rain. Uh, and uh, I've never had more tomatoes. Um, that's been, like, the good <laughs> news. My garden's going absolutely crazy. Um, but, yeah, I didn't move to Seattle. I, I, I did not choose <laughs> the life of a soaked person who never sees the sun. So yeah, we're on the other side of that. But um, happy to welcome. Speaking of rays of sunlight, oh, what a smooth transition. <laughs> We've got Kelsey Sutton, our streaming editor. Kelsey, welcome back to the show. What an introduction. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be back. Uh, Kelsey is such a joy both to work with uh, every single day and also to have on the show. And today we've got a really uh, fun topic, a hyper-specific content, because for those who listen frequently or just pay attention to anything Adweek covers or to your life as a modern human being, streaming services obviously just exploded uh, You know, over this past two years. It went from just being the same old options of, oh, you got your Netflix and your Hulu and your one or two other things. And then all of a sudden, it's like you have 900 options. uh, And we have had several episodes devoted to that and to this explosion of streaming. And at the time, we kind of asked... What's gonna What's gonna settle out? You know, what are gonna be the ones that end up being kind of required, uh, required viewing, and that you actually are worth your money each month? And I feel like there's some consensus that HBO Max has become one of those services. Shannon, before we get to the experts, uh, how, what's your what's your take on HBO Max? Um, so HBO HBO Max had a little bit of a rocky start, but it's become one of the sort of like hubs of like hidden gems like that used that that superlative used to go to netflix um i felt but when it comes to just really nice nuggets of content um hbo max has really a ton to offer and they have you know the 
they have the benefit of like a really robust IP, but it's just nice to find these sort of like one-off like romantic comedies and um, kind of cringy comedies, which tend to like fall pretty middle lane for me. Um, that's been like a really nice source of joy um, as of lately. There, there's still a few tweaks that they need to make in terms of the logistics. Um, it's not like the smoothest interface just yet, but there's just so much to dig into um, that it's, it, I think it's just going to have like a very nice future. Yeah, and we'll talk, uh, you know, so Kelsey will give us the rundown of kind of how HBO Max came into what it is. I will just say from a personal standpoint, I remember HBO's streaming service was just what I watched Game of Thrones on. Uh, and then I would cancel the service when that season of Game of Thrones was over. And when Game of Thrones ended, I was just like, okay, I guess I'm done streaming HBO stuff. Like there are a few shows on HBO that I really liked, but yeah, you you could find ways to get them. Uh, now, I if you asked me to cancel two or three services, um, I, I think the last ones I would cut at this point would probably be Netflix and HBO Max. Like I feel like are the two go-to. Hulu's been real good too. Um you know, but we have the ad-supported one, so we're kind of cheap on that front. Kelsey, now that we, as amateurs, have talked about kind of where we're at on how HBO Max kind of crawled its way into our hearts as one of the established uh, kind of must must keep uh, streaming services, how's it doing as a as a business? How's it doing within this uh, pantheon of streaming services? Yeah, well, I I uh, think that you know a lot of people sort of share. The sentiment um, that that you and and Shannon just shared. Uh, so, you know, I think that we're a little over a year in from when they launched. They launched in May 2020. Um, what a time to launch a streaming service when everybody was stuck at home, but also when you couldn't do the shows that you wanted to do because we couldn't produce them because of COVID-19. Um, but you know, um, more than a year in, they are. Uh, you know, they have 47 million subscribers domestically. So that's HBO Max combined with HBO. And I think, as we may have discussed on previous podcasts, if you had an HBO subscription, you got HBO Max out of that. So that number is sort of, is big uh, sort of by design, right? Because there was that sort of people who were grandfathered in sort of. Um, but then internationally, they have 67.5 million global subscribers. Um, and and just uh, late last month, um, AT&T, which presently owns WarnerMedia, which owns HBO Max, um, they actually raised their forecast and they said that they expect that by the end of the year, they're going to have between 70 million and 73 million global subscribers to HBO Max and HBO combined, which is between three and, you know, depending on how you look at it, between three and six million more than they had previously sort of estimated and previously told investors. So all of that is, you know, good news and signs that they're sort of finding the footing that that they, you know, really wanted to to find right out the gate. Um, but, you know, these things take time. Like, you can't just – I mean, there are some services – Disney Plus is kind of a prime example – is able to go out the gate and, like, immediately have this huge impact. But a lot of these other services, it takes time because there's so many shows, there's so many movies, there's so many services – 
people aren't necessarily going to run to a, a service. They're going to go seek out a show that they hear about, you know? And, and uh, so I think that the HBO and HBO Max content that they've been able to put out on the service, you know, in a little over a year's time is really helping lift those numbers and, and get them that footing that is really sort of necessary in this space, which is, as we probably all know as consumers, is very, very crowded and sometimes overwhelming when you're sort of sitting down and going, what am I going to watch? Oh, gosh, like how many services am I paying for? And which one does, is this show that I'm trying to find? Is it actually on? Well, and remind us of the so, – so the – Obviously, as I mentioned, when when HBO Go, HBO, what was the other one? It, there was HBO Go and HBO Now, right? Yes, there were not confusing at all. <laughs> that was actually one of the worst I missteps, I guess. I mean, uh, was when HBO Max launched, people were like, "Wait a second, how?" I already have HBO Go on my phone, or I already have HBO Now. What is HBO Max? Do I ha- do I get it? What? What is, what's the difference? And that's just sort of the growing pains of launching a new service because of course HBO Mac or HBO Go and HBO Now uh, were sort of like the, the previous iterations of making HBO and only HBO available sort of to stream for people who were either paying direct to consumer or were paying through a pay TV. You know, they, they were paying for an HBO subscription on pay TV um, and then wanted to watch it elsewhere. And so... You know, I mean, the HBO brand is strong, but it's not that strong when you have three almost identical sounding names. <laughs> and so, you know, we even wrote an article that was like, do you do you have HBO Max already? Like, here, let me explain it to you. What's the difference between HBO Go and HBO Now and HBO Max? Because people didn't know. People kept asking. I was getting text messages from friends and family saying, wait a second, what is this? Do I have it? How can I watch this show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like doing doing sort of uh, tech support, <laughs> sort of unofficially, um, and I think luckily we've sort of outgrown that. Um, hopefully, those are sort of vestiges of years past, since they have decided to sort of streamline that and just sunset uh, some of those previous iterations. Well, and not not to say that the world should revolve around parents, but I feel like, uh, and and Shannon, curious to get your take on this. Like, I feel like that's what's changed most in terms of this Warner media like collection of content is it's great to have game of Thrones and true detective and all that stuff, but you're not, I don't know. Like I did not keep need to keep a subscription around for those versus now as a, as a parent, I'm kind of shocked that something called HBO max is, is one of the go-to for my kids. And it's got like legitimately amazing shows like Steven universe and Craig of the Creek and like, like really good shows um, and it's one where, uh, unlike I would say Netflix, which can sometimes feel like a giant dumpster with a few nice things kind of sprinkled on the top, like where, oh yeah, cool Netflix show. Oh, everything else in here is trash. Like I, I'll, I'll go into HBO Max and just dig around and be like, damn, there's so much in this thing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. Same. Um, like the, I mean, Netflix has like Netflix kids, which is fine. Um, but in terms of really keeping that well of content fresh, I don't think they are doing um, as great of a job um, or as capable of a job as HBO Max, where same for my daughter, like that's her go-to because it has like all of Steven Universe, but also because 
she um, has a developmental delay, she still, you know, learns and gets a lot from Sesame Street. And all of Sesame Street is there going to like the original seasons, um, which is which wouldn't sound impressive until you try like other properties that you think would have like a similarly um, extensive library when it comes to like longstanding shows. And they don't because it's just really hard to, you know, get the rights um, together for every single season. Whereas it is apparently not an issue for Warner Media. So yeah, there is definitely um, a, 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 a great advantage when you're looking for like family-friendly content. And like to sort of add to the confusion that Kelsey was talking about earlier, and this could be a little bit um, inside baseball, but I don't think it was properly conveyed how much HBO Max really wanted to instill itself as a source of original content. Um, It seemed like the earlier language sounded very similar to HBO Go. So like when the initial PR was coming out about like, you know, what would be available at launch, they had there's a lot of backtracking that they had to kind of do where they were like, oh no, this is this is um specific to HBO Max. So make sure that you mention that this is HBO Max and not just like an HBO thing. And he's like, Well, the PR presser here just says HBO. Like, no, yeah, but this is HBO Max. And so there was a lot of confusion in terms of what it really what it seemed like it really wanted to be. And now I think it's a little bit more clear that like, yeah, it has a lot of the favorites, but there's just a lot of really great original content there too. Yeah. I guess the one that comes to mind for me is flight attendant. That's a, that's a original just for Max, right? Kelsey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That was one of the first sort of the freshman, freshman slate of, of originals. And that did, I mean, really, really well for them, not just sort of right out the gate, but sort of over uh, the course of, you know, months and months. I remember, um, I believe it was, it must've been December or January, uh, when, when they said this, but, but, um, there was this big move to make all of Warner brothers, 2021 film slate available on HBO max the same day that it was premiering in theaters, primarily because theaters were either not open or operating at an extremely reduced capacity. And Wonder Woman 1984 came out in, I guess, I think it must have been on Christmas Day. Forgive me if that's that's wrong. End of December, certainly. And the most watched original after people came in to, this, to the service to watch Wonder Woman 1984 was The Flight Attendant. So that was really, you know, paid dividends sort of months and months and months into it. Um, but now, you know, they have figured out sort of a cadence, of course, with production back, you know, and they're, they have been able to um, find some other shows that really have caught on. I'm thinking Hacks in particular, um, which also what a great thing to have. So HBO had Mayor of Easttown with, with Gene Smart. And then, uh, and then Hacks, if you wanted some more Gene Smart in your life, you could just watch hacks and see her sort of in a in a different space so that was like a nice example of i guess synergy uh if we want to call it that sort of across the hbo and hbo max catalog uh but i also think that the hbo catalog is so so strong you know there is a segment of people who want to watch 
HBO shows because they're buzzy and people are talking about them and they're, you know, pushing a creative envelope or, you know, are, are, you know, all of the things that make an HBO show an HBO show. That's such a strength for HBO Max to be able to say that and then also say, hey, look, we also have Steven Universe. You know, your kid is probably not suited to watch, you know, Game of Thrones or The White Lotus um, or Succession, but they're, they might want to watch, you know, these Looney Tune originals that we have, or maybe they want to watch Gossip Girl. You know, there's, there's this effort to broaden the, the slate so that people can, of really all ages, can, can find something to, to like. And to your point, David, when you have a family that's using the service all the time, then, you know, that, that really helps with that sort of retention. You're not going to cancel, you know, one month after your show, you know, the show that the one show you signed up is on. If everybody else in your family is like, no, 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 don't cancel. I have something else I'm watching. Yeah, no, that's exactly where we're at now. And that's like, I think it's this combination of, and I'm the first to admit, I I get very lost on remembering all these, uh, you know, conglomerates of who has acquired who. Um, But if I remember right, like Warner Media owns all the Turner stuff. So there's a lot of you know, some some very old and, and to me, very classic uh, Turner properties uh, that I've never had access to on streaming, uh, Space Ghost Coast to Coast, which I loved in my, like, post-college days, I guess, um, is on there. And it was kind of fun watching those with my kids because this is, like, heyday of early adult swim, just figuring out how what their sense of humor even was. And I showed it to my kids. I was like, I don't know if, if these will even make any sense now in, like, you know, 20 years later. And my kids loved it. And, you know, it's just like there is it when you go digging again to that point of like when I go digging in Netflix, I just get sad. And when I go digging in uh, HBO Max, I'm like, there's some real bangers like just I, I'll find stuff where I'm just like, yeah, totally forgot about this entire series. There's so much um, like I am not a fan of DC movies. Uh, apologies to those who are. I'm sure there are there are fans of those. Um, but the DC cartoons are great. Uh, and there's been quite a few good TV shows. Those are all in there. And I've honestly barely even scratched the surface of those. I realize that this this episode's going to sound a little pluggy. Uh, we're certainly not no one, no one from whoever owns HBO Max now, WarnerMedia. No one's, no one's paying us to, <laughs> to praise this. <laughs> I, I think it's more just like it's such a nice uh, surprise to see one of these streaming services emerge. Maybe we'll have this conversation a year from now about Paramount. I, I don't know, but like maybe. <laughs> but for now, like I feel like it's just interesting to see of all these services what has emerged. Um, let's uh, let's quickly just talk about on that point. I'm I'm curious, just more as curiosity than anything. What are some of your favorites, Kelsey? Let's start with you. Of like, what are some some shows or things on there that you've watched that maybe didn't get a huge amount of attention or that people might not have noticed that are worth checking out on there. Uh, yeah, well, I already sort of plugged, uh, I guess they, they really have gotten plenty of attention, but, um, Mayor of Easttown obviously was sort of so, so buzzy. Um, and Hacks, uh, I also really, really liked, um, I think that that was one of those shows that really kind of could have been an HBO show or it could have been, uh, an HBO Max show, um, so I really, I really liked both of those, and I just started watching The White Lotus. So I guess I'm really sort of talking about shows that have have gotten plenty of attention. Um, but 
you know, I think something that I'm actually really excited about um, that's going to be coming out on HBO Max um, later this year, I believe, um, is a show, and it's not named yet, but it's going to be um, about the the Lakers. Um, it looks really, really good, um, really fun, um, and, um, you know, just I think that those sorts of shows that like get you excited when you see a trailer for it, like, you know, months ahead of the, of time and you're like thinking about it until then. I think that, you know, that, that is, is the way to get you invested. You know what I mean? Because then I'm like keeping an eye out. It's not necessarily, I'm just sitting down going, what am I going to watch tonight? I don't know. It's like, I'm, I'm sort of actively, participating. I'd love to know what, what has sort of stuck out, uh, for you guys on the service. Yeah. Shannon, uh, what are some of your faves? I mean, well, I fell in love with hacks pretty quickly. Um, I think like maybe 20 minutes into the first episode, I was like, yeah, I'm here to stay. Um, on, I'm also not a huge fan of, um, DC movies either, but um, very happy that it is the home of Harley Quinn, um, which I thought was like one of the best shows of 2019 and was so thrilled and relieved that it got a third season because it was touch and go there for a second. Um, but one of like the HBO Max gems that I was referring to earlier was um, a show called Starstruck. And it is a British comedy written and star uh, starring Rose Matafeo about this like sort of mess of a millennial who runs into a huge movie star at a new at a New Year's party. They hook up and split ways, but it's about them kind of continuously finding each other. Um, and it is one of the most hilarious, sweetest shows that I um, have seen this year. And it was such a quick binge. It was like a six episode binge, but I cannot say enough great things about that show. Um, so that's one that I, I heavily recommend um, alongside Hacks. Um, and then I also really like Legendary, which is a reality competition series about the ballroom scene. Um, so it's like a nice um, chaser to pose now that that has ended. And uh, also really great access to Megan Thee Stallion, if you are a Megan Thee Stallion fan like myself. Um, so those have been really great to sort of dive into. And I think just very unique programming that HBO Max has to offer. I, I'm going to, I can't believe it's taken me this long in this episode to mention um, uh, Studio Ghibli uh, and... Yeah. Uh, the the sheer quantity of incredible animated films uh, that got snatched up as part of I don't know one of these acquisitions, <laughs> uh, but uh, for those who like uh, Miyazaki movies uh, like My Neighbor Totoro or um, Spirited Away, like they've been intermittent to the point of impossible to find on streaming options. Mm -hmm. uh, to the point where I had been like slowly buying up DVDs as I kind of found them uh, over the years, uh, and they are now all on there. Uh, and I wouldn't even know where to begin on recommending. They're all they're all so good, um, but uh, yeah, th those get still get heavy heavy rotation uh, at our house, and it's nice not to have to bust out the DVDs 
Uh, I will give another plug for Steven Universe for parents who have not watched it. That one took me a little while because they kind of throw you in headfirst uh, into that show. But uh, once it gets going, uh, that's that that show goes places. I love shows that go places when you do not expect it, and that show that go show goes a lot of places. Um, it helps to watch it with a kid, uh, but I, I I think adults I think adults dig it. Oh um, yeah. Uh, and of course, like there's some old HBO bangers that that have been there forever. Band of Brothers, uh, From the Earth to the Moon, uh, From the Earth to the Moon. Uh, Kelsey, you may remember this. Uh, it, it had not actually not been available for view. It hadn't been on DVD. It hadn't been on streaming. You you could not watch it. Uh, it's it's an incredible series. Uh, not not documentary. It's uh it's it's film. It's like Apollo 13, uh, but then they made it into an entire series. Uh, so Tom Hanks produced it. It's uh, very, very good. And I think as one of the launches of like HBO Go or or one of those, they remastered it and they finally made it available for streaming. Uh, I missed it in that iteration, but you can watch it now. And it is, it is so, so good. And you will, it's one of those like Band of Brothers, everyone in there is famous. Every actor, everybody, you're just like, hey, look, it's every single person from Hollywood. Um, but I'll give you a, a somewhat obscure one. Uh, I will ask you both here. So you can you can answer yes or no. Do you like Neil Patrick Harris? I'm not. I don't. I I wish I had like a strong opinion to share. I think I think I do more than I don't. But I, you know, <laughs> I was I was not prepared for the tepidness. Like who doesn't love Neil Patrick Harris? But now that I think about it, it's not, it's not like people are just like God. Yes, what do you have? <laughs> I haven't seen any NPH content in 34 minutes because he's in something every other day. But okay, okay. Uh, let me back up and just say, if you liked <laughs> and you like Batman and you like inventive television, uh, there is a series. I don't know what the backstory is of this series. It's called Batman, the Brave and the Bold. Uh, Kelsey, are you familiar with this in any way? It's got some weird TV backstory to how it came about. I, I do not. I have no idea where this is going, and I'm really excited and looking okay. forward to <laughs> wherever you're going to take us. So I t- we all know Batman the Animated Series. It ran for years. It's mm-hmm. got Kevin Conroy, whatever that guy's name is, like the iconic Batman. I think, there, I think the issue was that kind of like the Lego Batman movie, they wanted – they wanted to play with this larger DC universe of, of villains and heroes who are never featured. And when they are, they're featured very seriously. I think they just wanted a fun Batman show that did not take itself super seriously and had like a million DC characters in it. So they made this thing, Batman, the brave and the bold. I like it. It's good. It's got the voice actor who plays Batman is that he, I'm sure he's famous for something else. He was like the friend on the Drew Carey show. Um, he, he's got kind of a, a, a deep voice. He, he just pops up in a lot of stuff. Um, oh, yeah. He's a, he's also in Harley Quinn. Oh, goodness. What's his name? Uh, Diedrich Botter. Diedrich Botter uh, is, has played a few a few different voices. He is a very good voice actor, um, but he is, he is Batman on the show. Anyway, there's one episode. If you watch nothing else uh, from this series, there's an episode called... Uh, Mayhem of the Music Meister. It is an entirely musical episode featuring Neil Patrick Harris as a one-off villain called the Music Meister. The entire episode is a musical. Uh, it features many, many like heroes and villains. It is amazingly good. 
Like, it's weirdly good. You could you could literally watch it with no context of the rest of the show, because the rest of the show is fine. Like, I've watched most of it with my kids. That one episode, Mayhem of the Music Meister, it was nominated for an Emmy, so it's not just me saying that it was good. It's a uh, it's legitimate, uh, pretty good. Uh, but, uh, no, it's really well done, and you're just watching it being, like, really over-delivered here, guys. Like... <laughs> 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 you took one episode of this like obscure show and made something uh, to the point where I, I even uh, DM'd one of the voice actors on Twitter who we follow each other. And I was just like, um, I bet that was like a wild episode. And she's like, yeah, it was really wild. Like that was it was a lot of fun. So anyway, check out Mayhem, the music master, if you want a deep cut from your HBO Max catalog with that um what's your outlook uh for this for this next year kelsey uh what's going to happen with h do you think it's going to continue on this pace and keep growing or do you do you think any of these other services that right now we kind of joke about paramount or some of these kelsey i'm so sorry but does that cbs one still exist is that a thing so cbs all access (laughs) is now paramount plus so that's that's the (laughs) that is the I know this, it all takes time, you know, growing pains are called growing pains for a reason. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I think that something that HBO Max has taught us, uh, the industry, is that you don't necessarily have to get out of the starting gate um, flawlessly in order to build a service that has staying power or has stickiness. I think a lot of services are really vying to be sort of number three. So Netflix being number one in terms of scale and Disney plus, of course, just being able to really get out of the starting gate um, as fast as they were because their brand is so, so, so strong. So a lot of people are really trying to jockey for this, this third, third largest. Um, and I think what's going to be interesting is seeing how HBO Max sort of adjusts to the new reality in 2022. And by that, I mean, they won't have the slate of day and date film releases that they had in 2021 that really, I think, helped um, solidify them as a choice for people. If you wanted to see the new, um, you know, Godzilla movie or any of the new horror movies, or you really want to see Dune, but you don't want to go to theaters to do it, you know, HBO Max is your place to do that. And that's really powerful because there's all that marketing muscle behind all those titles. 2022, they don't have that, but they will have more originals and they'll have more programming and they just have to figure out what's the right cadence and how do you stay in this sort of cultural conversation and I think a lot of we're also going to see uh, because Warner Media is being spun out from under AT&T and will merge with Discovery, which operates the streaming service Discovery Plus, whatever that is going to look like. And that has, you know, there are 400 question marks sort of surrounding that <laughs> because, you know, we don't know when that's going to happen and what that's going to look like, um, you know. Can you imagine a world where HBO Max also includes, you know, HGTV programming or all the content that's on Discovery Plus? Or is that going to be a bundle? You know, there we we don't know. But I think that what we do um, and can just 
you know, we can expect from all of these services is they're just investing a lot in their franchises. They're trying to figure out what works and what keeps people coming back because the worst thing, you know, is for a a consumer like to do exactly what you did, (laughs) David, which is, you know, log, pay for three months, watch this show and then churn right out and say, okay, I'm not coming, I'm not paying for this. You know, they want that recurring monthly users. And if you have an ad supported version of HBO Max, if you're on the ad supported tier of Paramount Plus or Peacock or Hulu or, you know, whatever, whatever service you happen to be on Discovery Plus, they want you to watch for a long time too, so they can serve you more ads. So, that's just, I mean, it's hard. It's a hard business. And, uh, but people like watching shows. So, you know, you can scale up really fast, but you have to convince people to keep paying you month after month. And, uh, the only way people are going to keep paying you is if they like your shows and they like your movies and you're worth it to them. And that at the end of the day is a pretty simple, you know, challenge. It's just the execution that, that things where things get really difficult. Yeah, I feel like I'm getting I'm getting to a point with Disney Plus that I was at with HBO with the early iterations of HBO of like the, I love their shows. Uh you know the new the uh, loved Loki, um you know it, it obviously Mandalorian's great. Uh but like I'm kind of we've kind of like churned through that gigantic library that that Disney Plus debuted with. And then a lot of the newer episodes of its shows go to to linear TV, right? There's that Disney XD or whatever it's called, um, and and I don't think are available on that service. And so, like, I've kind of gotten to the point where, like, if you asked me, I, I might actually cut Disney Plus and then just like re up it when Loki season two or whatever superhero TV show that their Mandalorian comes back. And that's wild to me that like how much I've kind of flipped in a year of being like, yeah, I mean, now that I've, I've drank from the Disney fire hose for a year, I I am satisfied. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's going to be interesting because that's exactly what they're trying to protect against. And they have, I think it was December, they greenlit dozens of new projects out of the Star Wars universe and out of the Marvel universe and sequels and prequels and spinoffs. And, you know, they're just throwing whatever they can to, to, and really upping that investment because they just, they know that that, you know, that's sort of staring them in the face, right? If you don't have a, if you don't have a household full of kids and really younger kids who, you know, are, are, watching a huge swath of that Disney plus programming, they have to give you something else. You know, if you're an adult, if you're a a young adult, um, you know, that's, that's what they're, I think focused on in a lot of their uh, originals. And I think that's where kind of like HBO max kind of edges out Disney plus a little bit is that when it comes to like it's hook, they really lean into their, very like big name properties in in IPs like you said like the Star Wars um their Marvel stuff whereas I think HBO Max they have DC they have that in the kitty and they can build that up as much as they'd like but there is more of a spread out 
um, they, they spread the wealth a little bit more in terms of what they have to offer or what they sort of offer up to interested people and saying, yeah, we have a bunch of DC stuff, but we do also have like the gene smart universe if, in case you that's what you're into where like Disney has all the resources to sort of build original content outside of those major names. And it doesn't feel like that's a priority, which is why it sometimes feels like they kind of peaked with the release of Hamilton and I can't remember, and I think like Black is King was probably another big um, release. But since then, it's been kind of hard pressed to think of like what other big things outside of like Loki and, and WandaVision that they have to offer. Yeah, and I'm starting to reach this point, and this is a very, I mean, the ultimate first world problem, but like because Disney is essentially these two or three, you know, it's, it's Star Wars and Marvel. Um, and then, and then the occasional Disney thing, like I'm, I'm kind of getting just tired of those two. Like we got so many Star Wars movies and obviously like by the time we got to Solo and stuff, people were like, you know, maybe I'm good. Like I'm, I'm probably all right on Star Wars backstory. And then they're just like, no, we're giving you more Star Wars. And Mandalorian was a nice break, kind of like took you to a new place. But then like Bad Batch, I've been watching that. It's fine. It's, it's, should be called not Bad Batch. It's just not bad. Like, but you know, it's like the, it just, it reminded me of Falcon and the Winter Soldier of like, yeah, I, I, I like this universe, I guess. I'm, I'm watching people punch each other. Uh, but like, you know what I mean? And, and so Loki is very special. I think, uh, um, I think WandaVision was very special. But like, I'm just hoping they can find ways to keep doing those kinds of things and maybe do that with Star Wars and do it with some other stuff. But but they're kind of just grinding these IPs to a point where I'm like, I don't I don't know how much more I really need of this. Um, but then Loki came out and I was like, oh, well, I like that. So we shall see. But uh, it, I encourage everyone, as always, uh, really keep a close eye. If you're into any of these topics that we've talked about today, uh, keep an eye out on Kelsey Sutton's coverage uh, on Adweek. It is it is bar none, uh, just the absolute best. Her colleague, Jason Lynch, covers the TV industry as well. And they are just the two biggest geniuses I've ever gotten to work with uh, on the, on the you know, when it comes to all things television. Uh, so on that, on that note, Kelsey, thank you so much for joining us today for this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait until the next time we can all talk TV together again. Absolutely. Uh, Shannon, always a pleasure. I love it here. Thank you. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode was produced by Nick Gardner and edited by Lane McGivney. If you have not already, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Those reviews mean a lot to us personally, and they help new listeners discover the show. You can reach us anytime at podcast at adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. Uh, for Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? 
head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality.